Hi, and welcome to the Fashion and the Free podcast, the show that pulls back the curtains of the fashion industry to reveal what really goes on behind closed doors, as well as teaching you some tips and tricks of the trade. I'm your host, Emma Golly, a fashion designer, consultant, and founder of Fashion and the Free. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to LA-based fashion entrepreneur and designer Janice Lee about the challenges and rewards that come with being an entrepreneur in fashion, from launching your own label to being your own boss as a freelance designer. Janice has been working in the industry for over a decade for brands that may be familiar to you, Victoria's Secret, Monique Lullier, Madewell, and Oscar de la Renta, to name a few. In 2021, Janice decided to do the thing that many fashion industry professionals dare to dream of doing, launching her own label. Since then, she has juggled running her bridal wear brand with working as a freelance designer. I can't wait for you to listen to our conversation, so sit back and enjoy as we get into our chat. How are you? I'm good. Oh my god, I have not seen you in so long. It's so good to see your face. I know you too. It's been ages. I'm glad you're doing this. So, I mean, first of all, the first question I really want to ask you is how did you even get into fashion? Was it something you always wanted to do? Is it something you've always wanted to do since you were a kid? How did you get into it? I've always like had an affinity for fashion design. I just like have been so enamored. I like almost faint when I'm like watching something so inspiring on in a movie or something like that. So I had an immediate calling to it since I was younger. And I went to fashion school in New York. It's called Fashion Institute of Technology. Great school. And it really sets you up for the working in the industry. I don't think it did as great of a job in setting me up to be a business owner. I kind of had to like learn yes. that on my own. But in terms of the technical skill sets you need to get a job, it was an excellent school. Yeah. And it really sets you up with great industry connects and like a network. I end up working with and see so many people that I graduated with. And the industry is rather really small. And I don't think people understand how small it is. Yeah. Like for the people who stay in it for like 10 years everyone knows each other oh yeah it just gets smaller and smaller the longer you're yeah, in it. <laughs> totally so how did you get your foot in the door like when you left school like when you left FIT like for my first like design job it's somewhere that I interned at oh cool um it was like one of my first internships it was called truth and pride it was like a branch off of lamb which was Gwen Stefani's brand yeah and um it's where I first applied I saw like a blog and I was I saw that they were like hiring interns. So I just decided to email a bunch of people and um, I love their aesthetic. It was like yeah. very much my style. And yeah, I, I think um, internships are the easiest way. Cause like, yeah. you're not just checking it off to be like, okay, well I did it, this internship. I'm going to list it on my resume. That's like, not the point. You're like, yeah. you're making a good impression. So they hire you after your job. Yeah. yeah. After your work. Yeah, well, and making Valuable. contacts along the way too. I found like actually most of the contacts I made during those internships are what helped me get my other roles like later in my career. And like some of those people I still talk to now and they're still helping me out now and I still help them out. So um, yeah, definitely getting contacts by doing internships is a great way as well. Oh my God. I still use a lot of the same vendors, some trim vendors. Some, like, oh, no way. Because I grew up here. I grew up in LA and then I lived in New York for going to college and then working for a couple years afterwards. So my, but I feel like New York and LA, these coasts really trade people back and forth. So it's very synchronized and it's a small industry. So I feel like really everyone does know each other and if they don't know each other, they can recommend someone else who will know. So it's really so many things work by word of mouth in this industry. Yeah. So I, that's honestly like how I found so many manufacturing contacts and like people I've been able to work with in my own business. It's literally just through asking referrals. Yeah. That's awesome. So like you've pretty much during your career, you've worked at 
so many different like amazing brands like I kind of listed them earlier so anyone that's sort of listening will probably know pretty much all of them they're so well known how do you go from that to then deciding last year you know you want to launch a bridal brand like where did that come from oh I mean I've worked at like really big corporate brands um I got placed with them through an agency like there's a lot of fashion agencies now so you interview with the fashion agency there's like several different rounds of interviews so they do like a vetting process like you go through a lot more rounds to meet with so many other types of people but at the end of the day you do get a more like renowned job so I think it's worth the hurdle yeah in a lot of in a lot of the jobs that I got I also did a lot of freelancing with these agencies. So I was able mm. to like get a scope into what this company was like for like maybe six months or three months. And then I would be placed somewhere else. So yep. like temp job. So I worked at all these places, but I also didn't spend like 10 years at one place. Like I, yeah. I was there for like a few years or like six months or I, I did a lot of the freelance job even when I was um, living in New York. So it really was an interesting um, little taste into how so many different segments of the industry work because it wasn't like I just did evening wear or bridal. I did a lot of like, like I did design at Victoria's Secret, which is lingerie. And then yeah, I did so you've done Midwell, a lot. which is like denim and then ready to wear. And then, <laughs> yeah. So it's all across the board. That's I honestly think that's where you get the most well-rounded sort yeah. of experience from. Yeah. So when you launched, so you launched Beyond the Ceremony, was it last year, 2021, that it was first Mm -hmm. launched? Mm -hmm. So you're obviously doing what a lot of designers dare to dream of, like launching your own brand. It's what a lot of people go to fashion school to do. Was that something that was like always part of your plan? Or like, how did you stumble upon the idea of I'm going to do this, I'm going to go for it and launch my own brand? I mean, I never honestly thought I would be doing this specifically. I knew I would have my own business because I always have, I feel like I've had so much creativity to offer. And a lot of times in a design job, you're just doing one thing. So, and your creativity goes into so many different aspects. And I think the most creative thing ever is to start your own business. You're really just having to be so resourceful all the time. And it really lends itself to a creative person in all avenues. So I think that's, like the most brilliant exercise, but, um, and I've worked in the industry for over 10 years and for so many places that really do bridal, it's just so traditional quote unquote, meaning like looking very outdated, selling princess dresses for Prince Charming to save his bride and like, (laughs) I like save, save his princess. And like, it's just never resonated with me. And it felt like a very outdated concept. So I wanted to like, start a bridal line that's more sustainable and also is modern enough and high-end looking to fit into people's lives now <laughs> and like yeah. also be reworkable into more versatile garments so that you don't have to just waste thousands of dollars on like two hours of I don't know a ceremony yeah so I wanted to make more function into also design Got it. So when obviously launching your own label, like one of the key parts of the process is identifying a problem or a niche in the market and making mm-hmm. sure your brand is like able to even solve that problem. I mean, mm-hmm. you've mentioned a few things there, but like what are the ways in which your label does that? Like what problems are you trying to solve for, for women that are trying to, you know, look at buying their bridal gown? Um, I think like a lot of women don't identify with a lot of bridal brands anymore because they're still selling a really outdated fantasy and also a traditional wedding gown like you wear it for a couple hours and it creates a huge storage burden you never see it again but it's like taking up half your closet so I'm like it doesn't make sense with people's lifestyles anymore and and like for when you resell it if you want to you only sell it for like a fraction of the price and if you're wanting to pass it down to your kids or like some people don't even want kids you know yeah and it's just such a different time that we're living in now and most people who are getting married all across the board from like U.S. census like it's people in their mid-30s 
So like women in the mid thirties aren't wanting to wear princess dresses anymore, you know? Yeah, like, totally. it's, a, it's a very different aesthetic. And it's much, like, I would want to wear something more chic with like an open back or like something fun that yeah. I don't think really exists on the market. So I just sort of started making things from request and then it kind of snowballed into something else. And so is it, so, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, is it no, okay. um, purely like you design it and then it gets on your website and it's available or are you, try, are you doing custom? Like how do you work with your clients? Oh, I'm doing both. I'm doing like pop-up shops and I'm also going to be carried at Onyx Bridal. So, mm-hmm. and that's in the arts district. So I'm working cool. with sales reps and work and going into wholesale. So oh, awesome. having samples in the floor that brides can actually try on touch so that it's not like I'm opening my own boutique, but it's available for people to be able to experience. Oh, that's so cool. So I wanted to sort of get into the nitty gritty a little bit of like launching a brand because for totally. a lot of people, yeah, I mean, a lot of people listening only see the finished product and the glamorous photo shoots. So there's like obviously a lot that goes on behind the scenes that a lot of people just are not aware of. Um, so first of all, did you actually launch your brand with an investor or is it completely self-funded? Oh my God, no. I had no investor. I started in my bedroom, hired out contractors. Nice. Where and... all the best brands start. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so unglamorous. I put my like bed on like lifts so I can have like, fabric rolls under it you know it's just how you just make do and you just get really creative being resourceful and like I work and I share a studio in Alhambra and it's and I have like a bunch of contractors I work with downtown and so close to my house so it's not like I'm just always home there's like a lot of local manufacturing that I've discovered and have started working with and with being so close to these local sample makers it's like a real blessing from living in LA you know you're just so close to it it's just yeah no investors and I also really took a lot of classes on this and investors only invest in companies that have gained traction already up to five hundred thousand dollars so like if you've (laughs) already made sales up to that much they want to add gasoline to the fire they're not starting the fire for you so that's a big misconception that like shark tank has created for a shitload yeah. of people so like people just think like oh you're gonna fund me for me to like start my idea no that is not how that works <laughs> you have to have like financial proof and like receipts from a ton of customers you're like you have to be like already halfway up to a million wow. minimum for people to even give you attention for any investor yeah. to ever even want to talk to you which I don't think a lot of people know no, I mean, I actually didn't know that really because I mean, I, pretty much everyone I've ever worked with or talked to is self-funded. Mm-hmm. So we've never gotten really into the depths of that conversation as to what the expectations are for investors. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's really interesting to know. I had no idea. I mean, I I, under- I can understand their point of view on it because otherwise it's a huge risk. And you're right. right. Places like Shark Tank and all that, like those shows really have like tricked they people. Really, yeah. <laughs> So when you're going it's about entertainment so, factor, yeah, oh, hundred percent, yeah, we have an equivalent of that um, in the UK called Dragon's Den. It's like all the same, all the same type of concept. <laughs> That's a way better title. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it sounds like you already had a lot of connections um, when you went about like sourcing fabrics and and actually manufacturing. Did you have all that kind of ready to go? Did you have to do further research? Was that because that can often be like a really tricky part of the process. So tricky. And I've had, I've had a couple of people that I've worked with before at other companies that I've wanted to keep using. But I started this project business during COVID where yeah. it's just such a shift of the industry. And what it really taught me is like, you can't um, put all your eggs in one basket for one manufacturer in one country. So like you have to actually diversify mm-hmm. and source several different backup options so that you're not just fucked. if like someone's like yeah. ordering and can't totally. deliver because then you're out of business. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you really have to do your research. And the thing is like with my old factories that I've worked with before at other companies, it 
was limited to Asia. And I had to do a lot of research with countries outside of Asia. Yeah. And um, how I found those, honestly, like word of mouth is the best way ever. I asked my embroidery vendors, like the most popular ones to refer me to the best ones that they've worked with. So that was a huge, huge benefit. And I only thought of that like way later down the line after I've actually tested certain manufacturers and people are just going to want to take your money. They're not going to actually tell you that they're, they don't know how to do it. You're going to send them a bunch of stuff because you want them to try and make it. And then they're like, yeah, of course we know how to do it. They're going to receive your thing and and then they're going to make it look like crap and then be like, (laughs) ta-da. And then you're like, wait, you said that you know how to do this. So there's a lot of that. If you don't go through someone who has been recommended and vetted through experience, it's always going to be like that. So it's huge to get referrals. Like word of mouth is everything in this industry. Yeah, and it's hard too because I think I find that I mean, still, the industry is very guarded. And I think there's like, cert- I think if you're asking another manufacturer, they're going to probably be more helpful. There's other- there's people out there that are just not willing to give away their secrets. So there's, there's right. some brands, yeah, there's some brands out there that are very, very transparent with who they work with. Actually, there's brands like Nike and all that. They actually have on their website every manufacturer they work with. So there are actually some mm-hmm. brands out there that are very transparent. So if you know kind of the product area, you can go on those websites and try and find that. But even if you're trying to ask other people in the industry, some people are amazing and they will share that information. Other people are not. And they're very right. like guarded, like it's a, a top secret or something, which is crazy. But that's just how it seems to go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like making a few friends who are trying to do the same thing, like early entrepreneurs want to help each other because it's oh, yeah. like the fight is so fucking hard for like yeah. everyone. It's not okay hard isn't the right word it's like being on a roller coaster when you've never ridden a roller coaster before <laughs> and and like you and have there's no, no idea. high there's no high yeah. from it either you're just like it's all like oh <laughs> just like nerve-wracking like crazy yeah. and I think every entrepreneur has that sort of empathy that they've gone through that and they're just like I want to make this as like my heart goes out to you so like any anyone who's trying to start, start a company if you need help I will help you. I'll find a way to help you because it's like, it's, it's just like so grateful for everyone that's like helped me along this way. And yeah. I wouldn't be, have been able to get as far as I have without their help. So it's yeah. just so based on like human interaction. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's that she relying on the goodness of others to share that, to be prepared to share their information with you. Absolutely. And so yeah. it's like not even just from designers. It's like, I got my best factory recommendations and like vendor recommendations from my embroidery vendors so it's not like I it's because they're always working hand on hand with the factory and the designer so they're the middle like they're one touch point and they're they're gonna know the quality of the manufacturers because they work with them all the time and what the most popular ones are so that's like a great source if you have like certain vendors that you work with and you need to find a manufacturer I would suggest that way which yeah that's super I stumbled smart across really a lot later yeah I mean but, I think that's a lot of people do that though I think everyone goes through that sort of teething problems in the beginning and some things you just find out way down the line it just takes it just takes time and I think a lot of people have to be a bit more realistic about that some people just expect it to all be perfect from the get-go and it's it rarely works out like that it's a process for sure no it's it, nothing works out as you imagined that's why you <laughs> it, you just have to like train yourself to be resilient and like you roll with the punches and that's all you could do as like a business owner because nothing is going to come out exactly how you planned and you're just gonna be like oh well that was cool I'm gonna make it work for me either way (laughs) like you just have to find a way to make it work so that's the whole name of the game (laughs) oh yeah I I literally couldn't agree more um so as a business owner of a fairly new brand, you know, it's in early stages, are you doing everything yourself at the moment, including the marketing and socials, or have you hired anyone to help you or had an intern or anything? How have you uh, managed all of that? Because that's the bit that a lot of people, again, don't realize going into this is you're kind of like a one-man band doing everything for a long time. 
I think running this company from the beginning, beginning, going from zero to one or like zero to 0.5, like that was the craziest because I did do everything by myself. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to use Excel. I took a 5 a.m. webinar in order to like, (laughs) because it was like an East Coast webinar and I was like wanting to learn and I learned how to do pivot tables to figure out margins. Like how would I ever, ever have done that in a design job? You just don't do that. So like, you just have to get really resourceful and the information is out there if you're really looking for it. So just, you just have to get resourceful. You have to be in that mindset that the information does exist. People want to help and like, you'll find a way to make it work. And like, I never thought I would be a business person. I thought I would find a business person that I could partner with, but I also realized that that's not a thing. You don't like, yeah meet someone randomly and be like do you want to be my business partner that's like going up to a stranger on the street be like do you want to marry me so like (laughs) yeah exactly no you're completely right so it's it's not like you could just go up to anyone like unless you've like known them for like 10 years or something you could work together for a long time yeah it's gonna be a lot of trust right but I've just like since I'm a designer like I haven't worked with that many hand-in-hand business people I've worked with other designers because it's yeah. like very segmented across that way if you're working yeah. for other companies. So yeah, you just have your role and you stick scratch. to it. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely had to do, I had to learn everything from scratch. But something that did help me the most is working for startups because startups have like less than eight employees. So you're literally having to like do some website design, graphic design, packaging, marketing, yeah. shipping and receiving tech design, data analytics, accounting, and then you're going to FedEx to drop off boxes. So it's literally yeah. like everything in one. And that was my greatest education on the yeah. way to doing this. Like, or else I wouldn't know how to like fill out these like export codes. And like, what does that mean? You know? Like, yeah. How I else would I agree. know that? You just like have to get your run in working for another company. Yeah. I think if I didn't have that experience, I like I would be just so much further behind. Yeah, and also like at the risk of putting sinking more money than what's needed into it too. I think by doing what you what you've done, which is working with startups in the past, you've seen mm-hmm. where people are making mistakes, mm-hmm. which hopefully means that reduces the chance of you making as many too. Totally. So yeah, yeah it's and especially in a similar segment because I also worked at a bridal startup and then I worked at I worked at a couple of startups so it's really interesting how many creative hurdles you get to see with other people making these um mistakes and plowing through it's inspiring and also it just like it teaches you to be so resourceful so yeah I think that's that I highly highly suggest for anyone who's like gonna start their own business to work for a startup it's like basically starting your own business except under someone else's money (laughs) that's it it's almost like even obviously you technically are getting paid and everything it's almost like you're doing it yeah almost like you're doing an internship in a way that you know the way that we would do an internship before we got into the industry it's like you're almost kind of doing an internship for your business but you are actually obviously getting paid for it (laughs) yeah so it's better (laughs) yeah it's a much better way of doing it um so do do you do any of the social media as well if you had to learn a bit more about that world and like marketing side or did you get somebody else to help you with that I've been like taking as many classes as possible and yeah. reading as much um any as many books like learning as much as I can because mm-hmm. it's like totally an unfamiliar territory to me I yeah. never like focus on marketing all I have is like yeah my experience with like Instagram and whatever I was like a regular person not like the analytics yeah data point version of it but I've been learning a lot and I've been getting some help too and yeah. I've just been sort of like figuring it out as they go yeah and I do have interns and like contractors but cool. it's yeah L- little slow build <laughs> yeah no I I just think for me sometimes like with from experience with other people I've worked with those startups that actually sometimes the social side and the marketing side, they don't realize quite how much work is involved in that until no, they actually nobody, yeah. get into it. <laughs> it takes 
so much time. Like all of this is so intensely time consuming that yeah. I don't think people understand because it's like, it's the, the point of it is to make it look easy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like, of course you're going to think it's easy <laughs> and then you try and do it. And you're like, Oh my God, that's like a whole day. <laughs> yeah. Just like a TikTok video or an Instagram post can take you like several more hours than maybe you anticipated. Totally. So oh God. all a learning process. So I don't know if that will count towards this question, but what do you feel have been some of your biggest challenges so far with starting your own business? Hmm. I think I think testing out the manufacturers has been a lot of highs and lows because you send like your expensive fabrics and trims to and you're being really trusting to someone that you've never worked with before yeah. and it's just like such a leap of faith no matter what and that's the only way you're going to figure it out unless you go through someone else so yeah. I've had a lot of experiences yeah and I think one of the biggest lessons I learned as an early stage founder was like test product as quickly as possible because getting immediate feedback from real customers is the single most important thing to help conserve resources, like yeah. to continue with your mission. It's just because yeah. you don't actually know what people want until you sell it. Like, and then you tweak and then you sell again from that. But until you actually sell, you don't know. Like you're, these are just based on hypotheses. Like, oh, yeah. I guess that person will like it. So you just got to test product as soon as possible, get it in front of people, get people, yeah. get people yeah. like interacting with it. So if that's, I, I feel like it just took a long time because I am self-funded and I did learn how to do everything myself, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been really rewarding. Well, so that's what I was going to say is what have been the biggest rewards for you? That was my next question. Oh man. I feel like I have so much more to offer others now because it's like all under my say. I have creative control and I could be as outlandish or out or audacious or as generous as I want to be because I don't have to I don't have to like get approval or answer to other people I'm just like I could freely give if I want to so I'm like oh is this not under regulation or anything like I could just be like yeah of course I'll help you out or of course like we can collaborate and do all these things you can make bigger decisions and like Mm -hmm. be so much more creative like endlessly creative because there's not some bureaucracy that you're trying to like battle so it's just that's been so rewarding and I feel like in that sense it just helped me connect with other humans to such a deeper level yeah because I just have so much more to offer now yeah 100% and I think sometimes you know if you're working for another brand there's often at least like 10 people in the room making the final decision so what you might start with doesn't really turn out how you intended, you know, as a designer. So I'm sure that part of it, actually following your vision through and actually Mm. looking how you intended is probably quite, uh, well, a really rewarding part of it. Yeah. And you're just like getting to develop all these real relationships with like customers and because like working for a big corporate um, company, you don't get that kind of interaction all the time. Yeah. Like, so even if you do do like sales reports and you do like secret shopping and like you're like pretending to be a customer at a store (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's like your product but it's the same as if you're if you're just one person going up to another human being friendly and like developing a relationship and like asking them how they feel about being in your clothes (laughs) yeah very different experience Oh God. Yeah. And so what are your future ambitions for beyond the ceremony? Like, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, next few years? What do you, where do you want this brand to go? Um, I really want to build a community. I want to build my brand and grow and gain more sales distribution. Um, I want to find more creative avenues to get physically in front of more brides. I really want to find more ways to empower women to like celebrate their marriage in for this extent it could go and um, do more creative collaborations I think it's it, yeah there's just so many avenues that this business can lend itself towards I'm like really excited about it so but I'm going to talk about your freelance career in a little bit mm-hmm. before I move on to that what's your best sort of nugget of advice you can give for anyone that's thinking of starting a brand whether it's in bridal or just fashion in general I highly 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 suggest 
for them to work for some brands they admire so you can mold your influences towards where you want to go because it's going to be a technical fucking nightmare to Mm -hmm. try and figure out if you don't know what the language is like it's so much technical information and there is endless nitty-gritty in this industry that it's gonna be confusing as fuck (laughs) sorry I'm pressing so much but like it's, (laughs) it's so it's an endless headache if you have not worked in this industry so you I so 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 highly recommend working for other people prior to starting yeah or if you can't then at least hiring those people that can you know right but like at least getting your feet wet in some very direct capacity will only help you it's a different language to learn yeah if you've like never worked in design before like get a part-time job in it or something like it's gonna just prepare you so much better oh totally like you said it's a language thing it's understanding customer response and needs even just down to like looking at different fabrics I mean everything right and that by doing that there's so many moving components in production how logistics work like how systems are built like what vendors how you even set that up what forms you have to fill out like all of this stuff I've never known until I oh, how long it. it all takes too. it's yeah. like you know you have the timeline that you go by when you're working full-time in the industry but the timeline when you're running or even just the beginning of launching a business can look quite different to the timelines you're used to of a brand that's been going for years in the industry yeah, and well already has all that machine. established yeah yeah it's not the same as like building that machine <laughs> like yeah yeah so very very different experience and you're gonna need to know like a little about engineering if you're trying to build a machine you know like totally it's just that kind of analogy <laughs> yeah no I yeah I completely I completely agree especially as I kind of do similar to you, you know I have um startup clients and there's some people that very switched on like totally understand how long things take and others mm-hmm. that expect it to be done very quickly and um, oh my god it's unbelievable yeah it's really hard to explain to them like actually you know like you're gonna need a minimum of this time and <laughs> yeah and like you know just even the fact that like you were saying earlier some manufacturers work out some don't and at the process itself is actually the bit that takes a really long time to like nail that down totally and some people like and a lot of manufacturers actually don't deliver on the timeline that they say so it's, oh yeah that's for it's sure. just so up in the air some people really do some people don't at all they're off by like three months which Mm -hmm. is crazy so yeah there's just so much so many variables that you got to juggle and yeah it's just a lot of that so that's why I'm just like you gotta work in it for at least like a little bit to even understand what you're getting into there's there's so much yeah totally so let's move on to your freelance career so being a freelancer myself I'm really interested to know why you've chosen the freelance life in recent years over working full-time at some of the corporate fashion brands you've worked at how did you even like get into freelancing and why is it a preferred choice for you oh my god it's so much more of a preferred choice (laughs) and especially at like this point in my career because I have like so much more experience like I have so much more of a variety of experience to offer as a consultant which is a lot more helpful going into a business as a business owner because I'm thinking about things very differently yeah like I'm thinking about how things are like cost effective what production what's going to be affected from this decision onwards for the next 10 steps like you got to think these things through and as a it's just that kind of insight is so much more valuable as a consultant rather than just being a designer in a job because like you're never thinking about those kinds of things in a job and hence you're not as useful (laughs) but being a consultant you really get to work in so many different avenues and I feel like I'm a very creative person outside of just design too like I'm very overall very creative and I'm like, and it just really strengthens those problem solving muscles. And I love freelancing because 
I get really valued for my time because I'm billing hourly. <laughs> yeah, true. It's just your words hold a lot more weight because I don't feel like you're treated the same if you're not a freelancer or a design consultant compared to if you are. Yeah, I know. I think anyone you're working with generally values your what you bring to the table a bit more when you're working freelance. Totally. Compared to when more- you're not just a number a brand yeah Mm -hmm. it's more specified because it's so you became a consultant because you're like really good at x you're like and they hired you specifically for that for that position that part of design that you're really good at because everyone has like very different strengths in design too so you're like hiring a specialist basically yeah and I think that's what is more empowering too because it really gets to like hone in all of your strengths and lets you really lean into that whereas like in a different like in a corporate job you might not yeah yeah no I agree so one of the things I wanted to kind of ask you as well with that is how do you actually go about finding new clients and you don't have to give away all your secrets because I know <laughs> like us freelancers have our own methods but in general like how do you go about finding new clients so far, it's just been word of mouth. And I had um, I had a recruiter. It's mostly been through friends in the industry mm. and also through LinkedIn, surprisingly. Cool. They like, yeah, um, that's how I found my last startup job that I worked for like over a year. And um, through like I've been introduced through other like wedding planners and honestly word of mouth that's how I've been getting a lot of my gigs but I know it's different for everybody yeah I think like there's really useful platforms like Upwork is wonderful yeah Yeah. that I've gotten some work from and I think LinkedIn has been incredibly powerful that's like where I found my interns and um a lot of people who've like reached out to me personally and so how are they finding just, you on LinkedIn? Do you post, so some people I've noticed that are freelance on LinkedIn will post like regular things and articles just to get, you know, noticed. Do you do any of that mm-hmm. or are you just have people just happening to find you? People happening to find me because I have like very specific experiences. Yeah. Maybe that they're like targeting towards. Yeah. yeah. And also I have like, I have it as design consultant on my profile. So it's, says like I'm up for hire as a consultant yes. like I'm I, I feel like that's pretty good advertising as just like your time <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. totally yeah, yeah you're, it's like a keyword that people are going to be typing in totally when like um yeah and I, and like people have definitely reached out to me saying that and it's been incredibly helpful like yeah if um for a brand I used to work for saw that I worked for Monique Lulier and was like we really want to hire from someone who's worked at Monique Lulier mm-hmm. so I'm like okay perfect <laughs> like yeah. it worked out that's great yeah so your previous experience kind of helps you as well mm-hmm. so yep. mm-hmm. being a freelance obviously you've got to be pretty disciplined mm-hmm. working remote I don't know if you're always working remote or if you're working in the office um, how do you stay organized when working for yourself? Have you got any top tips or, or tools that you use to to stay organized? Um, yes, I use the eighty twenty rule, which is like tw- like eighty percent of your productivity comes from twenty eight percent of your top priorities. So, like creating a list of your all your to dos and only focusing on the top one to three for the day that absolutely need to get done. And yeah. I think that been a game changer um yeah I've been reading a lot of productivity books (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's uh I've had to like create a really strict regimen for myself I'm already like pretty organized and I've really had to develop that habit especially from quarantine where you like had no idea what time of day it was or what time of year it was because you're just like in a fucking box so you're just like what (laughs) I don't know (laughs) So it, I really had to, pre- I think quarantine really helped me because it was like, it whipped me into shape to create some sort of regimen so I don't go crazy. Yeah. I'm like, 
I guess I have to exercise or else I'm going to feel like I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> what does that yeah. daily routine look like then? What do you like? How, how do you, I don't know, what's your from like morning till night? Doesn't, I mean, if not every day is the same, but like roughly what does like a morning till evening look like for you juggling your freelance and your brand as well? So waking up, I do 50 push-ups and sit-ups and I wow, just like incorporate that out. into... I have to incorporate that and just create it as a habit or else it won't integrate itself into my life. So like, so, or, and you have to make it automated. So you do it every morning, train yourself to do it every morning, no matter what. Yeah. It's just like brushing your teeth. It's like, yeah, you have to pack it onto other habits you've already had. So that's like an easy way to develop new habits. And you don't like start with 50, you can start with 10 and then you just build up from there. Not like I'm just (laughs) going over the overnight, but (laughs) Yeah. So I just like been doing this for a while and, um, morning priming, I meditate, I, um, have like a gratitude practice. I list, I list out my top priorities for the day and then do select the top one to three that I'm going to focus on that will be the game changers Yeah. that I'm like, I feel like I've really tackled a lot. And yeah. then, damn, like, and for the days that it varies on how long I work, sometimes I work like 16 hours and I just I'm like yeah. I forget to eat and stand up <laughs> yeah and I'm like oh my god I make myself lunch and I actually like go outside for a run <laughs> so it's yeah I I try and slot in those days I create a very regimented google calendar that is color coordinated mm-hmm. in 15 minute increments it looks insane so wow. it's it's very without google um calendar I don't know what my day would be it's I need to offload a lot of this information from my brain. It's just too much to yeah. keep on top of. So yeah, all calls, all sort of everything just goes in the calendar and then I color coordinate it and then I actually know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. That's a great way of working. And it, I think it's, if, especially if you find it hard to stick to things, like actually having it all built in, like you said, like mm-hmm. that in a calendar, it's all color coded. I think it's much easier for people that do struggle with that and do struggle totally. with motivation. You know, they just can just check back in. It's like what they had planned for that day. If it's scheduled, it becomes real. Like it's yeah. like if you're working towards something without a deadline, it's never going to get done. But if you like put it in a calendar as like a non negotiable, it'll figure it you'll figure out a way to do it yeah and make it a real deadline so yeah no that's super smart so I've like had to adopt these habits for myself I wasn't always like this (laughs) (laughs) I really had to develop these habits because I was going crazy and I yeah need I need to stay on track in order to like work on this brand work on my design work on my life (laughs) yeah I mean you're juggling a lot though it's like I feel like you'd have to do it the way you're doing it otherwise you would just go crazy in the end (laughs) right create some sort of structure yes so what's your favorite things about being a freelancer and some of the not so favorite things um favorite things are literally everything I love (laughs) love being a design consultant yeah freedom autonomy control over my own time like I would say that this life would not be possible though at least not as like successfully had I not had as much experience working in this industry and several different business structures like I wouldn't be it wouldn't be as livable if I was like just starting out trying to do freelancing because obviously you're gonna get paid nothing like starting out in fashion design you're gonna make nothing it's yeah. only until like way down the line you start actually making like a livable income so it's really ridiculous how that is but like when you get there which is way down the line it becomes a lot easier because you know what you're doing and people really really need your insight because they don't know what they're doing yeah. and it's like sink or swim figure it out so yeah you're your experience and your insight is like very valued and I feel like it like as a consultant it just makes me feel so much more like I can really contribute more yeah because I get to really be able to share all kinds of expertise rather than just my design like I get to source do manufacturing be able to 
SketchUp and CAD, be able to recommend vendors. Like I get to do so much more than just in a design job at a corporate company where you might yeah. be like a nut and bolt. Yeah. You know, they're like, we already have a system built. Please don't break. You don't, <laughs> don't fix it if it ain't broke, you know? <laughs> so they're like, don't bother with that stuff. But if yeah. you're hired as a consultant, people are really, really looking to you for help. So it's, it's so much more empowering for me. And that's why I'm like, it's my favorite thing. I'm yeah. never going back to working full time. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. myself, but. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely on the same page as you. Like, as you know, I do the same type of thing. And I agree with you. Like you do, you definitely feel more valued. I couldn't ever see myself going back now. I mean, you have never no. say never because, you know, life things happen. But at present, I couldn't ever see that happening. So I, I'm totally on the same page as you. Yeah, like not favorite things, like no package deals, like benefits or 401k. Yes. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty responsible. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on that much. Like I make sure yeah. to do auto contributions. And like, I set, I'm, I feel like an adult now. <laughs> yeah, like, You're all grown up, Janice. <laughs> I know, I know. So I'm just like, I feel like I don't need these like prepackaged deals because I can make these decisions autonomously based on my own needs. And I feel like I'm, I'm at that point in my life. Whereas like, if I was younger, I might not be able to know as much. I didn't know how 401ks worked when I was in my early twenties. So I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. Where in your thirties, you're just like, oh God, <laughs> you must do this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know what 401k is, because 401k is actually what they call it in the US, but it's basically like a retirement fund. Yeah. Pretty much. So yeah, no, I, I understand that. I do think it can be a bit difficult. Like some of those things are more expensive. Like you were saying, like with the healthcare things, especially in the US, like the amount you can get charged for that can be quite significantly higher than what you would get. And I think from when I've talked to people that are interested in freelancing, that's the stumbling block is mm -hmm. the, those contributions you've got to make per month that you didn't have to maybe as much before. Like those are mm -hmm. what people are very frightened of leaving a full-time position to be freelance that's like right the big but you're thing focusing on the fear then you're yeah, like focusing yeah. on the fear rather than what's like gonna empower you to make better decisions for your actual life like yeah the design of your life yeah exactly so, it's like your work-life balance you know all of that things you know the fact that when you're freelance you can go on a trip or go some I don't know go on vacation wherever and you don't have to go and ask somebody permission like you can just do what you need to do. You don't have to ask permission for anything. You are your boss. So you're yeah. just like, I need to do what's right for me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. So I already asked this question in relation to your business, but in relation to freelancing, what's the best advice you can give for anyone that's already maybe in the fashion industry? Similar to kind of how we were, you know, worked, you know, maybe full time for a few companies. Um, but they are considering pivoting to freelancing. Do you have any advice for them like making that leap? Lean towards your strengths and trust yourself that you will figure it all out. Some people might be really intimidated being like, no, I don't know, like 100% of whatever. You will learn. You will learn on the job. You will learn because Google exists, you know, Google research. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's so much information out in the world. We live in a very open source world. Yes. Like, you can learn how to do anything now. So trust yourself that you will figure it out. If you like really want to, you will put in the effort. So yeah. like your faith has to be stronger than your fear. Totally. I would say, I want to add to that as well. Make sure you have some savings because 100%. when you start out, it's not going to necessarily, unless you've got some really great gigs through word of mouth and it's just all worked perfectly for you. Like it's going to take yeah. a little time. No, I think, um, word of mouth would have not worked out for me at all had I just started in the industry like it's because yeah, I've been working yeah. in it for over 10 of years that, like, like I've worked at a lot of places where I've made friends and like they think of me when uh, they hear of something so it's yeah. like that's 10 years and more in like yeah that doesn't happen overnight so you really really have to know that you might not get anything so have a cushion yeah. And like, don't get so close to putting that cushion out. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like a lot of balance and be good with saving. Yeah. And then 
Like it's just life management. You got to yeah. be like smart with your decisions financially. Yeah. And make be sure more, you like, can on top pay your it. rent. <laughs> totally. And like, it's not for everybody, but mm-hmm. if, but if you're freelancing, I feel like you're already much more of a business owner in mindset because like, if you're freelancing in design for another company, it might just be you, but it's like, you might also hire out other contractors to help finish the job or mm-hmm. like, you're just so much more in charge. So it's a lot more empowering. And <laughs> Perfect. Well, that concludes our podcast, Janice. So thank you very, very much for coming on and doing this with us. I'm sure like so many people listening are going to find it super helpful for whether they're trying to get to freelancing, whether they're trying to start their own business, like you've given us like so much amazing information. Wow, that was such a great conversation with Janice. She really tells it like it is, and that is so needed in this industry. Whether you listen to the podcast because you're already in the fashion industry or just simply love fashion, Conversations like these are super eye-opening and provide a real behind-the-scenes account of what it's like to work in the industry, the highs, the lows, and the day-to-day lifestyle. If you're looking into becoming a freelancer or starting your own brand, I hope this episode provided you with some insight and tools to take the next steps and get a better understanding of what that could look like for you. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please don't hesitate to get in touch via social media via the handle at Fashion and the Free on Instagram and TikTok. You can check out the website fashionandthefree.com. And if you're interested in learning more about Janice and her label, Beyond the Ceremony, all the links will be in the description for you to check out. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Join me next week for a special careers advice episode. I'll see you then. Thank <laughs> you.